Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Capitalist Investor. As always, you got me, Diamond Hands D, back One Take the- D, <laughs> back from vacation. Yeah. How was uh, it? Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, I played a little golf down in Florida. A little golf? <laughs> it was a golf trip. It was a golf trip, so we played a lot of golf. Four rounds, so it was pretty nice. Um, sunny, 86, so... Good good stuff. You can leave now. (laughs) (laughs) I was out in Phoenix for work, uh, but I did get a round of golfing um, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, which I still shoot 130. And (laughs) thankfully, my buddy played Division I golf in Nebraska, and Mm -hmm. he almost went pro. um, So he was giving me some pointers. So maybe maybe he touched my game up a little bit. We'll see. Where did you play? Played Nebraska. No, where did you play play? in Phoenix? That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Don't remember. I don't don't remember. I don't know. Uh, I smoked five cigars, though, during the course. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's why on Monday my voice was kind of out. Um, you know, yesterday, if you watched one of my uh, Marines of Maria appearance, uh, my voice was kind of deep and low. Which yeah. actually, <laughs> I wish it was all the time. It sounds better that way. But anyway, all right. Well. Uh, and you made it back from Vegas too, so that's awesome. I did. It was great. Met a lot of great people out there. Some of uh, those, actually, a couple people listened to our podcast. Nice. That uh, are out there came out to me. Um, Tony, if you're listening, you're shout out. He had some great, great discussions. <laughs> yeah, Tony the Tiger, he loves it. Let <laughs> me tell you that. Awesome. All right. Well, this week, um, so we'll talk. You know, kind of current events. What's going on? Uh, debt ceiling uh, is in the news. So. Uh, Janet Yellen says we might default by June 1st, so we'll talk about that. Uh, AI also in the news. Uh, lots of different angles on AI, actually. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll touch on earnings. There's a you know one I'll, I'll highlight, um, and then canceled again. Um, you know, don't want to spoil too much, but local banks not looking so hot these days. <laughs> So, all right, well, let's kick it off. You know, so the debt ceiling, um, you know, just a quick little summary. Uh, looks like the, the House passed a, a measure to, you know, keep the, the government open, uh, if you will. Basically, um, it included about four and a half billion dollars or trillion dollars in cuts. Um, the key points of it, rescinding the 87,000 IRS agents, you know, clawing back some unspent COVID money, ending the student loan forgiveness plan, um, and a few other things. So pretty reasonable stuff, if you ask me, since we So everything are- <laughs> Biden wants to do is they're telling him no. Yep. Well, I mean, we're out of money <laughs> is the issue. So yeah, that, I mean, the debt ceiling, it, the, the limit right now is... 31.4 trillion aren't we like 31.7 like yeah literally over we're basically it? right there yeah yeah like we're, we're right there we're float i mean i never whenever they throw that thing up on tv it's never going down <clears throat> yeah it is always going up um isn't there like a sign here in cleveland as you're going to the city that down, shows yep. the mm-hmm. amount of debt per person in the I've, I've seen it I've they should put that like everywhere so everyone's just aware of it at all times and gets pissed <clears throat> off about it yeah yeah it, it breaks it down by state too. If you're if you're if you're looking for it, it's on on the interwebs. Yeah, I mean, I just I just don't think the the average American or or, nor, or just most Americans, I don't even say average, most Americans don't understand what the debt limit is. Don't understand if we default. Don't care if we default. Like I don't think any because nothing's ever the repercussions never happen. Yeah. Like, nothing's ever happened. So we've hit this we've hit this um, debt ceiling forty five times in the last forty years, um, and. Everything, you know, it's it's 
never the rubbers never hit the road. No, did, nothing did, ever bad has ever happened except in nineteen or I'm sorry, twenty eleven. Uh, it got so close that the market shut off seventeen percent. Yeah, <laughs> but that was the only time it really you know cascaded through the stock market. Well, did you see the credit default swaps? Yeah, um, so that spiked. Yeah, so the the default swaps, which you know, for those you know listeners, default swaps are you know basically bets that something bad is going to happen on whatever you're buying the swaps on. So if you're buying on this, the the government's going to default, then those will go up. The more likely that the government's going to default. So those are the highest it's been since 2011. <laughs> so we've we've had this debt ceiling discussion multiple times in 2011. This is the highest it's been since then. So there's more of a likelihood that they might default. Um, that that's pricing in, and that's kind of scary when you think about it, right? But but the thing is, when you take a look at you know Democrats and Republicans, you got to remember who's in office right now, right? Whoever, if you default in your debt when someone's in office, like that's basically a a way to not get elected in the next election, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if a worst case scenario came, Democrats would give in to what Republicans want; they would have to because it would look horrible on them. Other they just blame oh, they're Republicans. Just, they're, they're just blaming Republicans. Yeah, they'll oh, just yeah. point but the finger like, "Hey, you guys are you're holding this thing up." It still <laughs> it still would look bad, I think. So, I mean, I, there's going to be some compromise. There has to be. So, I, I mean, I've I've fielded a few phone calls from clients and things like that, and you know, one of them was you know the most uh, recent news is the budget negotiations aren't going well, and uh, worst case is the government could default. Um, so, what do we do if we're parking money in U.S. Treasuries? You know, is this a good bad question. decision? It's a very good question, right? And you, again, we've never defaulted. They've always kicked the can, and you know, so the the debt ceiling. It's if it's not raised, you know, there will be a default. Um, you know, but this would be this would create a like you said a cascade of of problems, and the U.S. you know losing its intrinsic value is is one of them. Uh, but there's the 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 main thing here is like there's not if if you're not going to do a treasuries, there's not many places to hide. You can't yeah. go to CDs. Um, because they're backed by FDIC insurance, which is <laughs> the same as the U.S. government, um, so they're gone. Um, you can't you know, go park your money in cash and, and hope your bank don't default. Now, <laughs> I mean, well, like, the, there, the biggest, there is the nowhere. The biggest thing is long, long duration risk, right? Mm. If the government were to default, like things like the TLT, things like you know the the long duration treasuries would ha- have the most impact because rates would rise and then those would sell off a lot, right? So the one three month, one year treasuries wouldn't have that much of an impact because we're able to meet those short term obligations. Could you imagine the spike in crypto if they defaulted? Oh my god, oh, it'd be up like ten percent. That's in a day. why crypto was made exactly for these kinds of reasons. Yeah, I, you know, it's just so. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. One of my one of my clients said he's you know got like I don't know set four coins or something like that and um you know it, i'm curious on like the people that own a significant amount i'll, I'll call it over one coin you know it's yeah. 30 grand right yep. um what do you do where are you storing that uh, because so i'll, I'll, I'll be, tell you because that. like silvergate went out of business yep. you, you you have all these these crypto banks going out of business the only one that i'm you know really aware of is like coinbase but i'm mm-hmm. also not a crypto Person. So I have I have five percent of my family's net worth or liquid net worth in crypto, and I'm not talking about me and you know me personally. I'm talking about my whole family, my parents, mm-hmm. you know, my brother. Five percent of all of our assets are in is in Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? We have those off storage. It's all in cold storage. Yeah, it's got- all somewhere where no one knows where it's at, but it's in like basically USB device, yeah, it's, right? It's, Once I- you have over like. So once you have a significant amount of money, if it's like over twenty, thirty thousand dollars in in crypto, like you should definitely get yeah. that off in exchange. I, I got a cold wallet too. Yeah. Um, when I was dabbling in my got NFTs, all those JPEGs, those on there. JPEGs <laughs> that are worthless now. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> um, 
But I mean, that's also a risky thing because now you own a digital asset and, and I mean, this, some of the worst things in the world would have to happen, but what if the internet stopped working? What if there's no power? What if there's all this stuff and you have nothing? Yeah. Here's my, here's my thumb drive. Here's my, (laughs) you know, like enjoy that guys. And when the power turns back on, I mean, that's very whatever, but like you could lose it. It can burn. Like once you lose that wallet, you're in big trouble. Yeah, You you, you, you need, you need like a, a, like a, a fire. I have a fireproof safe to protect my JPEGs. Okay. So no, but seriously though, like, and I'm pretty and, sure it's in my gun, then, our gun safe. And then, and then I wrapped it in a, um, I like a fire retardant kind of <laughs> like envelope is yep. what I have. So, I mean, it's, it's stashed away, but there's really nothing on it. <laughs> of value. But if I were to buy Bitcoin, that's where it would go to. It, it, you got to get it off the exchange. Yeah. So. Once uh, you saw some of the exchanges like FTX go out and you saw Coinbase sell off a lot, people mm-hmm. were worried. That's when we made the move. Like we had it on Coinbase. Like that was yeah. kind of the most big, the biggest yep. trust, best trusted. But once FTX went down, we're like, we're getting it off as soon as possible. And, and like a cold storage device costs like what, 50 bucks? Yep. Right around there. Um, but the potential reco- uh, repercussions of a, a, a ceiling, you know, crash for or the debt the debt ceiling being reached is downgrading credit of our agencies right well what happens um, if they downgrade credit before that like what happens if they that's a possibility too like i think it was 2011 we actually got a downgrade before we didn't default right mm-hmm. we, we got downgrade in credit yep. ratings like moody's i think it was or um s&p global um, yeah. they downgraded the debt and that, that could happen again if that that's if that's the case then the question you ask yourself is you know our rates or is tre- treasury is going to decrease in value and yields going to rise because the increased risk or is it possible? Just throwing it out there. Is it possible? This isn't. This goes against really every everything you learn in economics that people will flock to treasuries because of increased risk in equities and everything else because of government not spending as much money, things like that. Maybe people will flock to treasuries, drive down yields, and bond values increase. It's just a possibility. Hmm. Something to think about. Because you know, remember, you use two things that <clears throat> inflate treasuries: rates and risk. Right. Yeah, you know it. Um it's a million dollar question. <laughs> the, the flight to trillion save, dollars. The, the, yeah, yeah, literally four point five. It's a, it's an odd environment when you can't really even fly to safety, <laughs> right? That's, that's what it feels. That's like right kind now. of what we're you know where we're at. Yeah, I mean, treasuries are thought to be cash. Essentially, mm-hmm. is this supposed to be liquid cash? Yeah, and cash if it's not. Months. Then what do you do? <laughs> so uh, you know, and the one you know, the one thing they could do is just print more money, right? right? And and. and Pay our debts through printing printing more money, which would then, you know, we know this. Spike inflation. It's going to spike inflation. Oh, hey, guess what the Fed's trying to do? Fight inflation. (laughs) Like, now we have this vicious cycle. Like, we're raising interest rates while we're printing money and... What a well, what a debacle. That's what they're going to do. And then that's why it's not even really usually worth talking about if the U.S. defaults, because <laughs> we're not. I mean, the likelihood of that, even though credit swaps are higher than they have been, like yeah. the that, odds are still like 5%, exact, 4%. Is, right? so, so here's a question then. is So then if they turn on the printing press, is that considered quantitative easing again? Yeah, absolutely. Then the market's going to spike, because that's mm-hmm. what typically happens when you, you know, don't fight the Fed or the government. Like. But, the, uh, but think but about it. But then you raise rates down. more to combat that. <laughs> so exactly. it's like easing and then quantum. I just said it's a vicious cycle because the Fed's trying to fight inflation, but we're printing more money. Like this it's- is why the government should never interfere in our business. <laughs> because once they start interfering, they mess everything up. So let's yeah. let's get back to free market All right. capitalism. All right. Let's um let's just hope it doesn't happen, but they need to do some serious cutting. Holy cow. That, that that that's my that's my go to politics. Did they hire argument. any of those eighty seven thousand IRS yeah, I agents? I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> They're still talking. They're about talking it. about it. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. 
AI. It's all happened because we got off the gold standard. Just we can. That's a different story for another day. We should bring that up, by the way. We should talk about getting off the gold yeah, standard. A little, little history lesson. That yeah, sounds nice. Yeah, the whole reason we got off the gold standard, real quick, real quick. The only reason we got off the gold standard was to basically print money. <laughs> yep. To, to stimulate the economy, mm-hmm. right? Because the, we weren't growing as quickly as the government wanted us to on on the gold standard. So this all started because we got off the gold standard. Yep. Anyway, right. AI socialism incoming. Oh, I I got so I know where Luke's going with this. I just just based on how what is Robocop, right? That's that that's where we're going. Robocop. Robocop. All right, <laughs> Luke, you, you kick this off, man, because I okay. got I got the alternative angle that I think you're going to talk about. All right. So I've been talking about it a lot the past week. I talked about it in Vegas, talked about it in Maria or uh, Varney or Cavuto yesterday. Um, all right, let's pretend that artificial intelligence comes and we're at a tipping point in society where, you know, back the past 25, 30 years, technology displaced jobs, but it created new jobs, higher paying jobs, right? What if we're at a tipping point where technology just replaces jobs because there's not as much of a need, you know, it's able to be so efficient and think for itself essentially to where it can just replace jobs and not create new jobs. In that case, unemployment systematically will rise right now. Unemployment's at three and a half percent. Let's pretend that there's not as many job openings out there. I know we're historically at the highest right now because of all the money we printed and stuff like that. But let's pretend over the next 10 years, systematically, the unemployment rate goes from a healthy 3.5-4% to a 10-15% because technology replaced all of the jobs. If that's the case, the only solution for governments would be to, um, uh, you know, universal basic income redistribution of wealth, some sort of socialistic policies to take care of those unemployed, not making yeah. any money. If that's the case, the middle class separates completely, right? You only have the upper class and you only have the lower class. And that's not, that the system can't operate that way. You go back to, let's I'm bring this up. This is kind of an extreme case, but ever read the book, HG Wells, you know, time machine, right? Read the book or see the movie. Like HG Wells was a socialist. He believed in socialistic policies. He wrote that book and he basically based that whole book on where we would end up in a capitalistic society. The problem he missed and the, where he missed you know, the whole kind of concept was he wasn't necessarily wrong that capitalism somehow got us there, but it was socialism in between that got us there, right? To where you, know, you, have, you have this utopia per se where the rich are feeding off the utopia, but the utopia doesn't even know it, right? right. That's essentially what's, where we're at. That's what's going to happen. But it's not because of capitalism. It's because of socialism that comes after capitalism. So I, you know, we have, so when I think AI right now, it's, it's Google talking to me, <laughs> you know, like the, the computers are talking to me and just telling me stuff and, and telling me how to do run my life. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I, that's how I view it. But mm-hmm. think about during COVID when no one wanted to work or couldn't work and you had all these businesses that couldn't operate and now they're creating systematic robots inside their factories to eliminate jobs because they can't count on anyone. So that's another form of AI. So that I can always see spike uh, um, unemployment as well. Look, so, at, look at like pilots. Everyone brings up the pilot strike, right? Right now we need pilots in there. Like we need a human being in there to intervene. Let's yeah, pretend, we, we talked about the moon landing let's last 50, week. 60, let's pretend 50, 60 <laughs> years in the future landing. though. Maybe 50, 60 years people will be comfortable with not having a human being in there and letting artificial intelligence do the whole thing, the whole ride, right? Uh, Hollywood writers, they're striking, right? They want more pay and things like that. Yeah. We're at the lowest productivity rates in history right now for human labor, Right. AI can write stories now sure. at this point. ChatGPT, like we're getting to the point where AI is essentially able to replace the probably the majority of jobs. Did we talk about the Tom Brady stand-up? He he did, did a stand-up. No, AI did a sixty-minute stand-up routine <laughs> as Tom Brady, and it's pretty funny. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. 60 minutes. Like, it sounds like Tom Brady delivering stand-up. It's completely done with AI. It's crazy. Is he talking <laughs> about his life? Yeah, it's oh, yeah. about Tom Brady. Tom, yep, really? Yeah, if you, if you didn't know it was AI and you just heard it, you would think it's Tom Brady just, you know, off starting the rails. A, starting, and, a, starting a new career yeah. <laughs> as a comedian. Did yeah. you see the commercials too? Same thing. AI is writing commercials and able to film commercials by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So here, here's my here's my contrarian view on this. So um, Chinese officials have come out and said, you know, generative AI should reflect core values of socialism. So reading through this article, they're – what what the Chinese are saying is that, you know, the regulations for AI should make sure that they don't subvert state power, overthrow socialist systems, because they're socialists, but they don't want them to overthrow their system. So think about this. So capitalism, the mentality is survival of the fittest, right? No, Kill- productivity. Okay. But yeah. But yeah, survival of productivity. What, what, yep. uh, productivity. Yep. Yep. But it's survival of the fittest. Like if you are weak, you should die. Or you know, like not that extreme, yep. but that's the mentality. Those are strong survive, and those that don't. If AI has that mentality, it is going to figure out. That's why. It, that's why the initial parts of AI, like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about it, saying, "Hey, it's becoming my friend, so it can kill me." Yep. That is that could be. So that's my angle. Like. Giving it so much power, capitalism power, is going to eliminate all the weak. And, and so is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because if they think the human race is weak, here we go with Terminator. <laughs> right? They're going to be blowing up. I'm they're not gonna worried send, about They're going to send out some bombs because they got into NORAD. And Does, I mean, those are some of the worst things I can think of. But mm-hmm. if you give it the power to just freely think, yeah. it'll come back and destroy us because it has zero feelings. It has no human element. And it knows... Left or right, there is no middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my concern is more of a psychological component. Like, let's pretend we do go to a socialistic route where we're UBI, you know, we're giving out money. We're, you know, people are spending money in the economy, but they're not adding productivity, right? People are, are at home more, thinking more, by themselves more. The problem is, the reason why capitalism works so well is because it, it hits our the exact trait of human nature. Of If you want more, you can have it. You got to work for it, but you, gotta, you can have it, right? Yeah. Some sort of socialistic system when you're sitting at home more and you're like, okay, I'm making $70,000 a year from this UBI and I basically have all my necessities covered. I have my, my house covered. I have my food covered. I have my, you know, um, you know, everything else taken care of that I need, right? Every, there's going to be a lot of people that still want more and that they can't get it in some sort of so, so, socialistic world. There's not jobs available for them to work or, you know, even ideas because AI is creating all the jobs essentially, right? Or they're innovating, Well, I mean, right? the, so guy, the, the main guy from the Google, part. the main guy from Google just quit because he needs to spread the word that like this thing's growing so fast and it's so unregulated. Like it's scary to this Let's point. just like, because it's, it's going it, to, it can have the ability to spread misinformation, which, you know, some of our. Um, news, <laughs> some of our <laughs> news outlets do anyway. Um, displaced job. I mean, like they're talking about how this thing, if it evolves too much, can you stop it? Can you on? Can you unplug it? The, the, you- the question with that is the problem with that is where you know other countries are going to develop it. The people on the sides, you, I don't know what to call it, black markets or like, you know, the, the criminals, they're, they're going to continue to develop it. Whether we stop it or not, there's going to be someone trying to develop it, trying to probably do bad things with it. So that's that's the problem we're at right now where countries, we, we should probably try to like limit it and stop it, like hinder, 
um, how much we how far we go with it. But will China? Will India? Will will Russia? Like. So we're in this like cyber warfare, essentially technological warfare, where we're just competing against each other, trying to innovate so much to where it's going to get it's going to be extreme. Like the, tech- the the initial AI when they turned on Chat GDP or whatever it's called, right? Mm-hmm. It, when they turned that on, it like it was scaring everybody, and you know, again, China came out and said like we need to make sure that this thing is not promoting terrorism, extremism. Um, ethnic hatred um false information like there's not there's no one there to stop it because we want to see how far it can go right but how far is too far i'd say we're probably already there technologically <clears throat> i think so I, I think we're 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 very close to to where necessities are covered at least in america i know the third world country is not but like our necessities are basically covered even the poor like you, even the poor like lower class has their necessities covered um, now everyone wants the next step in lifestyle. They want the Mercedes. They want the iPhone. They're materialistic, right? Can, can we ever can AI do that for me? <laughs> Let's go. No, it, it can. It's going to do the complete opposite. It's not going yeah, to restrict you from no. getting that stuff because you I won't mean, have a job the, to do. You're, it. you're probably the one key thing you said is that it's evolving to the point where we don't we don't even know what's happening. Like we just hear news reels. Like what happened overnight in some secret lab in Google, Microsoft. I'm just using those examples, but like overseas, you know, people, you know. These companies that just have their secret labs of secret developments that are, you know, R&D, research and development, like what happened last night or last week that will never hit the newsreel? Well, look at the past 100 years. How much fiction has turned into nonfiction? Like a lot. You know, you look at Star Trek. Look how many, I think the cell phone, like they were like, they had cell phones in Star Trek in like Mm -hmm. the late 60s, early 70s. Flip Flip phones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those came out 30 years later, 20 years later, 25 years later, right? I mean, the the Jetsons were way ahead of their time. How much fiction turned into nonfiction? Like, what's. They they had Zoom. They have (laughs) robots making you food. They got like all this stuff. Where are we going to be at another 100 years from now? I don't know, flying cars. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Seriously, how do we not have flying cars yet? (laughs) It's ridiculous. Who's working? We on actually that? do. We have jetpacks. We have flying cars. Just not affordable yet for most people. That's the difference. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <clears throat> we've had some good conversations here. So let's uh, let's um, you know we'll hit these last two pretty quickly. Uh, earnings. Um, you know the big one that that I saw in the last couple of days, just because I think we own it in, in both our main portfolios, uh, was Uber. Um, Doing it the old-fashioned way, basically, you know, just running their business and trying to grow it, <laughs> which is a crazy <laughs> thing these days. Um, the the article I read basically said Lyft isn't really trying. <laughs> is essentially what I got from it. But what, what, so, 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 but so like in 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 Uber versus Lyft, what what is what is quote unquote trying? Like so what, what what are they not doing? Um, Uber basically aggressively tried to hire drivers back after the pandemic okay and lyft did not okay so lyft's prices are way up because there's not as many drivers which is driving people to, to uh, uber, to uber. Okay. and you know it's starting to show in the numbers now so yeah. um i found that interesting you know good old-fashioned um you know ingenuity and hard work and you know they're they're trying to grow and and they and they nailed it last quarter i think it was up about Ten percent yesterday, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was a pretty good story. Um, Overall, earnings I, have been pretty good. I mean, I think we were projecting negative five percent earnings growth uh, mm-hmm. this quarter. We're at negative two percent right now. I mean, Apple hasn't reported. Granted, they come out. It, Apple reports tomorrow or today if you're listening to this podcast. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's a big one. But negative two percent compared to negative five percent. I mean, it's been better than expected. And the question yeah. you ask yourself is why. But the the because they lowered the bar so low. 
to get over it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, honestly, that's what that's why we're beating it. It's still negative, right? Mm. Still negative. Um, but they they lowered the bar, and you know the the. I was surprised the banks didn't come. You know, I, I guess we're going to talk about banks here in a minute. But like the banks weren't as bad. But it's all the big boys propping mm-hmm. all that stuff. It, you know, the, yep. the regionals got their teeth kicked in yesterday because we have another possible default. So, yeah. All right, I'm gonna say the same. Um, I, I think I think Apple. I mean, as as people get crunched, I think the last thing people are gonna ever really up or not. You know, the the one thing that they're they're not gonna pay for is their iPhone. They're going to always find money to get their new iPhone because it's your, you know, computer in your wallet, you know, or in your, in your pocket, you know, it's, it's like every, everyone uses it and you need to stay up on that technology. It's the one thing you, you kind of need today. I think I don't, I don't always mean to be like a Debbie Downer. I always just like to be, <laughs> That's a, I, I always like to be a skeptic, right? I am always skeptical, especially of people nowadays. Right. And the fact that last week, and I've, I've used this talking point a lot the past week, but the fact that last week, you know, Google, Microsoft, um, Facebook, Amazon, they used AI. They used the word AI in their earnings call 170 times. Mm-hmm. I mean, that D-word, like, that's music to investors' ears. Like, they, everyone loves to hear that because that's kind of like the new thing that everyone you know, loves. And, you know, eventually it probably will add dollars to the bottom line, profitability to companies, but there's no initial really impact. But the fact that we're using it means that they're not very excited about what's to come the next year. Like the fact they have to use AI, the word AI that much and talk about it rather than our current environment, what's happening now. I mean, they can't be that excited. So I think Apple is going to do the same thing. They're going to talk about AI. They're going to get investors excited, keep their stock afloat um, until their earnings deteriorate, or deteriorate per se over the next four or five quarters. Like, I think that's that's kind of what's going to happen. But I can't argue with that. I just don't <laughs> like the fact they're using that something they're using terminology that's not going to add dollars to the bottom line until another ten years. Yeah, I mean is the a, the AI angle. You know, they they could just be like the. The equivalent of the cloud computing, yeah. you know, cl- cloud, the the cloud storage, you know, through Microsoft, Amazon, that that has what has driven their growth over the last five years, if not longer. And the top ten companies are in the ninety six percentile right now of market cap, which mm-hmm. means the top ten companies, whatever they do, the whole market does. Like, it's, yeah, it's, that's not that's crazy. crazy. That's not good. It, it, the tide did not lift all boats in this one, <laughs> you know, and so like now we got. 10 companies higher than everyone else. Yeah. So, Which is why we're looking for opportunities in the other 490 names. Yeah. Right? Like, like, like Uber, you know, like that, that's something that I believe we've been invested in for at least the last three or two, three, four months. Yep. Cause we, I think we I double down on it too. Yeah. I think I talked about it like on, um, I don't know, Mer, uh, TD Ameritrade or, or Fox like a yep. couple months ago. Yep. Um, so anyway, all right. Can't, um, so we'll see what happens to Apple um, and see if they how much they talk about AI. <laughs> All right. 170 uh, times. Yeah. Can- canceled. That's the bogey. That's the over-under. The canceled section. Um, another one bites the dust. First Republic. Yep. Right? And then you got JP Morgan coming in buying it pennies on a dollar, right? Um, yep. So I had a good conversation with um, um, a CFA that I know um, – you know, through networks and stuff like that this weekend. And we were talking about how these banks are are starting to find cracks. And the conversation kind of went down the path of it's going to take a couple weeks or months or quarters to sh- have the, the cracks happen. So we're at a 5% Fed fund rate. 
where did the cracks really start when the Fed got to 2% or 2.5%? Because we're at 5 So if the cracks were initial, like if we would have went to 2.5% and these banks would have failed, but we got to 25 Fed funds rate and stopped, you know, like we would have said, okay, that, that was too much. And, and thank God we stopped. Well, they didn't stop because they're looking at inflation and, and, you know, and things like that. And the and, reason why is you take about a year for the Fed for, for interest rates to impact the economy. So you're taking right. like a year from like March. That means we were probably at two and a half percent. That's just mm-hmm. kind of like right. what you were saying. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, if you kind of, yeah, you use the earmark of a year. Yep. Yeah. Two and a half was the cracking point. We're at five. Like, no. it, and then if we get there and we pause, like how long, you know, with that, those high rates happening, like, holy, holy cow, man. Like a lot of things could really get busted up really quick. I mean, cause we went to 5% in a year. That is crazy. Cause we've been at zero for 10 years. I just saw a, uh, <clears throat> a client with a fresh, uh, 7.25% mortgage set. Wow. Over seven. Yep. Solid. So, Jeez. I mean that payment um, the payment was astronomical. I think it was like twenty four hundred dollars, which is much more than mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, it's um, I, I saw all the statistics, but basically, going from that three and a half to like six mm-hmm. was the, your your mortgage doubled. Yep. You know, and then you tie in Probably the inflation. It, well, then you tie in the inflation of just the house and the uh, houses in the last two, three years. And that gets the property tax. Uh, so, property I mean, tax. it is just so compounded. It's so unaffordable to buy a house right now. Yeah. Unaffordable. That's why, and that's why the demand is still high because <laughs> no one ain't selling, no one's selling their 3% <laughs> exactly. mortgage. Well, like, I, I just feel there's no way you can. Move. I don't know what's going to happen a year from now, two years from now. Like maybe the housing market holds up. Maybe it does take a little bit of a turn, but that's why I'm thankful. I bought my house a couple years ago because I look at rents right now. Rents are higher than what I, my mortgage is, property taxes and insurance. Like mm-hmm. that's, I, I'd pay more in rent right now than I do for my mortgage. But you know, a lot of people that never bought a house, millennials, especially Gen Zs, like they're, they're I don't know if they'll ever be able to buy a house. I think the whole economy <laughs> is moving towards renting. Like mm-hmm. the, now that being said, there's a little bit more freedom with that, but it's kind of like, you know, I was almost play, played Pink Floyd, uh, you know, walking into this, you know, welcome to the machine. Like, welcome to the machine. Like, this is where we're heading to society where who, know, this is what someone wants you to do. This is how he wants you to do. But here's the question. Who owns the rentals? BlackRock, Blackstone, Black, yeah, big, big Vanguard, big, the big, big wigs. <laughs> not, not, it's not the American dream anymore. It's not. It, but the, the, here's the the thing: is you hit the nail on the head, Tony. And this is I, I I'm a firm believer in this. Like you know, banks are the quickest to see the rise in interest rates because they have the most to do with the Fed funds rate because that impacts their lending rates, that impacts um, interest on their their loans, um, hedging their investments like the Treasuries. That's why you saw Signature Silicon Valley go out of business because they'd ever hedge the risk. Um, there's a lot of businesses out there that don't have an initial impact, but they have more of a long-term impact on interest rates, right? And 20% of S&P 500 debt gets refinanced in the next two years, 20%. So a lot of these companies, part of that 20% is going to be the highly levered, high-growth companies. It's not going to be like the Apples. You know, They have so much cash on hand. They don't have much debt. Like It's going to be all the highly levered companies. So when that hits, when that gets refinanced over the next two years, what's going to happen to those companies? <laughs> So this is not like a six-month, one-year bankruptcy plan. This is going to be a couple year, over and over. The names, the zombie companies that should never have existed in the first place. Mostly, most people don't own these companies. These are companies that like, 
you know, are, that sold off already 95% or so that, you know, took off during COVID that probably should never existed, right? Um, I mean, it's going to be the definition of a junk bond. You know, you you're, you get a super high interest rate with a marginally at best uh, risk, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like like man, like man, this thing could actually go out of business. But hell, I'm I'm getting a nine percent interest rate yeah, on I'm my like bonds. a sixteen percent. Maybe some of it. it's, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's it's because they need to make it more attractive than a five percent treasury. Well, the only way for them to survive is to take out more debt <laughs> until they can't do it anymore. So I mean, this is going to be a, a five ten year decade cycle. Like it's not absolutely. This isn't quick. Yep. We saw it real quick. We saw 70, 70 bankruptcies so far this year. It's the highest uptick, uh, third highest uptick since 2000. I think the highest since 2008, 2009, right? So, I mean, that just tells you all you need to know about what's coming. Bankruptcies so, of, of... 70 bankruptcies of the big big firms. I, th- I think the market cap is like over a billion dollars or something. So, okay. it's like, you know... The small, the, the smallest caps, the, the micro caps. Are, no, like, it's are all, you talking all companies, like including FRC, including okay. Signature, including, oh, okay. uh, including those, including Bed Bath & Beyond was one of them that was above a billion dollars. Now, it's like $50 yeah. million. Dollars. These so are, like, you're talking publicly traded companies. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Yep. For sure. All right. Well, good stuff this week, guys. So you got anyone? Anyone got anything positive to say? Really quick. <laughs> um, yeah, we always make through it because the bear case, the worst case scenario is the bull case. Because yeah. if the worst case scenario happened, then you know that, that we got other big, big things to worry about. So we always make it through this. We always somehow make it through this. Just big changes need to be made. Yeah, and and it's going to be. The, we've always passed on the next generation, next generation, next generation. So it's going to be yours and you know Derek's and Tony's generation. Then it's going to be my generation, and then it's going to be the dark my right. kids' generation. Right, and you know I will always tell you that you know time in the market is greater than timing the market. Because if you over the last like twenty seven years, if you missed the five biggest days, you missed out on two percent annualized. So, is it? And and I and I believe that you know toning down risk is one thing. You know maybe going from sixty percent, seventy percent, eighty percent, you know equity exposure and 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 taking twenty percent of whatever your exposure is off the table mm-hmm. is one thing. Going from 100 miles an hour to zero, you know, going from 80% exposure to stocks to zero. I mean, the best managers in the world can't do that, yep. you know, because it's like, okay, I, what if you, what if you were wrong and you missed all the upside? When do you get back in? You know, like, Hey, I'm waiting for this crash. It never comes mm-hmm. or Hey, it crashed. Now I'm just terrified. I don't want to get back in. And the best, the best days of the market come after some of the worst, right? Yep. Also, look at it this way: America is the strongest economy out of the whole world. So, when you do comparables, you still want to be in the U.S. You're right. right. You still want to be investing in the U.S. Right. So. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Well, thanks everyone for listening this week. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, uh, hit us up at info at swpconnect.com, and we'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed in the podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any investment, legal, financial, or tax strategy. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. Please consult a qualified professional about your individual needs.